Can somebody tell me what the Sam Hill is going on around here? Well, we can't, sir. Well, who are you? With Nerd Alert Squad. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Welcome to my nightmare. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them, children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. There are rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Red rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Here's Johnny. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Matu, Marada. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Hello there, it's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to another special episode of Nerd Alert. Uh, again, not that kind of special episode, just it's out of the ordinary uh, uh, routine for us. We are bringing back, uh, we did an episode a couple weeks ago with our friend of the show and our, our occasional special guest, our head honcho of all things Halloween, John Colin Gritton joined us and gave us a, a rundown of all the movies you should watch for spooky season we got a lot of great feedback on that, so we're bringing him back. And with a name like the head honcho of Halloween, you can probably guess what we're talking about today. But before we get into that, JCG, say hello. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Happy to be here. A whole lot of a good time, and we're going to have it right now. <laughs> yes, we are. So we're here talking about, of course, Halloween Kills, which as of this recording has been in theaters for about three and a half days. Um, getting very mixed reviews from people. Um, we're probably not going to help clarify any of that because I, I feel like we're going to be fairly mixed on this ourselves. Um, but we're going to get through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. But before we do that, uh, we, we haven't done a straight movie review episode for a while. So here's our format. I'm going to set a watch or a stopwatch. First 10 minutes or so of this review is going to be completely spoiler free. We'll talk in general terms about you know, did we like it did we not like it why we're not going to name names or uh talk about events in the movie or you know quote people or it's going to be very vague in general um our 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 overview kind of opinion of what do we think about it once that clock is done and i will give a warning uh we will then dive headfirst into spoilers and talk about specifics and who did what to whom with where in what room and all that kind of good stuff so starting now, the next 10-ish minutes are totally spoiler-free. So, Grit, in general terms, did you love it or hate it? Because there's no in-between. You have to love it or you have to hate it. That's what the internet taught me. <laughs> there's absolutely no in-between. Okay, fair enough. It's either well, the best the movie ever made or it's trash. 
Well, it's definitely the best movie ever made. Um, better than Citizen Kane. Um, no, I can. Huh? I'll agree with you on that one. I'd watch this over Citizen Kane. There you go. Um, I have a tendency to be fairly generous when the Halloween is done in a way that I personally consider right in quotes. Okay. Okay. I was not generous with Halloween Resurrection. Uh, I was not (laughs) generous with Rob Zombie's Halloween, either one of them. So, however, um, I really dig what they're doing with this trilogy. Um, It's different. It's, It's something we've never seen in a Halloween movie before. It shows so much respect to the original uh, movie. Um, obviously, you got John Carpenter executive producing. So th- these movies that are coming out now are made for fans by fans. And I'm thinking mostly about Halloween and the new Scream coming out. They're they're made by fans. And you can see that there's there's a lot of lip service to the original in this movie. And I dug that and I like it. And I, I you know, I will... I'll stop there and let you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let me first that I'm on pretty much the same page with you as far as previous films. Uh, in my collection, I own Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, because, you know, it's not connected, and Halloween 2018. And that's all I feel I need to own, because uh, mm-hmm. everything else is varying degrees of meh to oh. Um, you know, I have a soft spot for Halloween six, but I wouldn't say it's a good movie. Um, Halloween four, I've come around on over the years. Yeah. In comparison to like part five and in resurrection and stuff. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's on the, the top five, I guess, you know, by comparison of how bad the, the franchise gets, I absolutely hate and despise the Rob Zombie movies. I won't even touch them. Uh, I literally had a chance to pick up the Halloween box set. Uh, for a crazy stupid price a few years back and I didn't because it would have meant owning the Rob Zombie movies and I refused to own them so um, (laughs) that's how much I hate those movies so I'm I'm starting off I'm kind of on the same page as you like I I tend to lie now you have uh, much more love for four than I do but um, I like the franchise sorry okay 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 I I think I was thinking of Friday the 13th sorry six is my Uh, game Yes, Friday for <laughs> We both love us some Ant Man uh, fighting yes. Mikey Myers. Um, Darn right. So, so I'm starting at the same place as you. And my feelings on this movie are mixed. I don't hate it. I don't love it, uh, which, according to the internet, means I'm wrong. Um, there are th- aspects of this movie that I absolutely love. There are some story elements introduced and some some things, some places we go and some things we see that I think are absolutely inspired. And you know, certain parts came up and I was like, oh, this is good. Uh, and then there are parts that I'm like, oh, that was dumb. Uh, or that was stupid. Why didn't you cut that? Uh, there's, there's, this movie is, has lots of highs and lows. And the highs are really cool where you can see like, oh, that's an interesting idea. I want to explore more of this. But then we cut to something else. And I'm like, okay, well, this is dumb. Can we go back to the other thing? And I think that's, for me, the my biggest biggest complaint about the movie, and I said this on Facebook in my one-sentence spoiler-free review, is uh, it feels very fractured. 
And I don't think I appreciated how truly fractured the story is until my second rewatch when I was taking notes and watched it at home where I can pause it and stuff like that. Um, but without getting into details, the story is very fractured. It jumps around a lot. We get a lot of new characters introduced. Um, I don't want to get into spoiler stuff, but it it's it jumps around character to character and story point to story point in the first... 40 some minutes. I don't think we spend more than five minutes with one set of characters in one place. It jumps around a lot and it feels very, whoa, hey, well, like you never really feel like you get your bearings kind of. And that's my biggest complaint. Um, but I will praise some of the things we jumped to. I really enjoyed. I don't want to say what yet. Um, so for me, I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just think it's, it's very, very fractured. I think I think I would definitely agree with that. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, there, you're absolutely right. There were things that I wish we got a little bit more of for a little bit longer. There were things in there that went on too long, and there were things that were unnecessary. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were just kind of some plot elements that were like, eh, why was this necessary to even be there much less to take so much time with it um it did like i said before it paid a lot of lip service and it made you want to it really hammered home that this is who these people are and this is what happened to them in case you forgot you know there were a lot of cut uh, cut scenes from the original movie um that they brought in i was kind of surprised by that and a lot of people um you know i guess people could go back and forth on that and then i guess we can get into another couple scenes here in a minute that people might not be aware of um i will say that before i even saw it i was irritated with the marketing and i was irritated that they showed so much um i tried to avoid trailers for a while and then you know i got in to the zone in the last you know couple of weeks and have been tearing them up which is i guess on me but um <laughs> there was a big reveal in there that i wish they wouldn't have shown in the trailer and uh it would have been way cooler if this was a moment we didn't know was coming but we knew it was coming because it was sitting right there in the trailer so that was irritating um but yeah you know i it's hard because there were certain I don't know. <laughs> it's all go. good, man. Uh, no, you guys wouldn't uh, let me watch it twice. That's why. Uh, that's why I'm yeah, that's here. it. I forced you not to watch it twice. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you. The advertising for this movie, I think, did it a great disservice. Um, not that it's a bad trailer, but I feel like pretty much every shot in that trailer needed to be cut by about three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it could have the trailer could easily have been moody and atmospheric and in you know implied threatening situations uh but the every shot in the trailer goes on just too long uh mm-hmm. to the point where if you've watched the trailer and vaguely remember it you can guess at least three to five people who get killed in this movie because you saw it in the trailer mm-hmm. um and again that 
especially in the day we live in now where you know when you put a trailer online people are going to watch it again and again and break it down frame by frame and everyone on youtube is going to have you know posted a 20 minute breakdown video about it by the time mm-hmm. the movie even comes out like people need to be really careful about what they put in trailers and there are certain directors who are very careful about what gets put in trailers and you know you hear a lot of stuff about you know well the marketing department latched onto this and wanted to put that in the advertising and this is a small enough movie. I don't think anything got past the director without his approval. So you done screwed right. up. Because, um, yeah, I saw the trailer when it came out. I saw a couple people did some breakdown videos. I'm like, oh, let's watch that. And I got like halfway into one breakdown video. I'm like, I already know too much. I already know more than I want to know. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, so if you're a big fan and you can't wait for it, you've probably already seen it. But uh, if you've watched, if you haven't watched the trailer or you haven't seen the trailer for a while, don't. Just, just go to the movie. Yeah, just yeah. go into the movie. <laughs> Don't ruin it for yourself. Um, yeah. But my other uh, other big general negative is the dialogue in this movie is at times absolutely cringeworthy. Uh, it, it feels like people are speaking in trailer lines. We're like, oh, that'll sound cool in a trailer. But then you put it in context of people having a conversation and it's just like, who talks like this? Um, and, and that there were there were moments where it took me out of the movie because I'm like, that is, that's a stupid line. Who who would say that? Or furthermore, now that I know what's going on in this scene and I know what the conversation is, well, that line came out of left field. Who brought that up? Um, you know, it works fine in a trailer, but not quite in the movie. Uh, and I'll get into what later. But uh, those are the big two things that I had to say sort of took me out of the movie. Is this the fractured uh, pace of, and structure of the story and some really terrible dialogue. But I don't just want to dump on it uh, in general terms. I will say things I did like about it in general terms. Um, it feels like Michael is back on brand as far as the way Michael Myers operates for the most part. Um, there's a scene that I think should have just been cut from the movie entirely. But for the most part, it it is it, it doesn't feel like. Because too often, Michael Myers just gets lumped into the, oh, he's a slasher, so he does whatever the script calls for a slasher to do. But in the original movie, which this is, you know, directly following, Michael has an M.O. Uh, I don't want to point out specifics, but Michael has a certain way of, of stalking his victims and setting up the kill and then, like, after the kill, staging bodies and things like that. And without getting into specifics, this felt very much on brand for, yes, this is how Michael Myers operates. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You you feel like you're watching, definitely watching Michael Myers' movie. One thing that I did like was, um, you know, for forever since the original uh, sequel, we always try to figure out what Michael Myers' motivation was. You know, so in part two, they invented the sister element mm-hmm. and um, that was like that carried the entire series up until it was over, basically. And even into the Rob Zombie uh, movies, of course. So that that was the whole thing. And then we saw in 2018 that they eliminated that and they made they took um, great effort to make sure that we all knew that we weren't doing the sister thing anymore um which is fine you know it it, it kind of works it it made it personal for Lori whenever 
it was his sister and that was the only motivation we ever really questioned it's like okay and then in six of course we get into the druids and the cult and the thorn and all that stuff but all that was an attempt to explain why he is the way he is why he just murders on halloween with with impunity and and is that the word i'm looking for um but it works um and so what they did in this was they 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 gave some understanding without giving a full-fledged mystery destroying motive does that make sense yeah uh they 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 flirt with the idea of giving michael a motive right um and we're not going to get into too spoilery for that yet. Uh, we'll, we'll keep this kind of general. Um, right. They don't go as so far as to push that truck over the cliff, but they kind of nudge a truck in that direction. They kind of leave very vague hints, uh, not even hints, but vague lines of dialogue that maybe could be picked up on and run with in, 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 in future movies and whatnot, but they, they, they don't quite get to that. Right. And and we're past the 10 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give you your final spoiler warning. Uh, from this point on, we will be discussing the movie at length in detail. If you haven't seen the movie uh, and you want to keep it all fresh when you watch it, stop listening now and come back and check the rest of the show out. Uh, oh, when no. you've done so, if you just don't care and just want to hear two nerds talking about a movie and you'll see it whenever, then carry right on because here we go. Here we uh, are. And we can, we'll circle back to that because uh, I yeah. definitely want to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you just want to go through chronologically? Sure. Okay. Um, so, first of all, picks up literally right where the last movie left off. Uh, we see um, one of the sort of uh, people called it a plot hole in the last movie was um, the the granddaughter was it Allison uh, her boyfriend mm-hmm. just kind of disappears for like the whole last third of the movie. Uh, th- this movie corrects that. Hey, there he is. Nope, he's he's still there. We didn't forget about him. Um, mm-hmm. And we get our first sort of retcon from the last movie, which is kind of dumb, but the thing at retcons was dumber so i'm okay with it uh hawkins is still alive uh despite being stabbed in the neck by dr not loomis in the last movie Sartan. yeah dr not loomis <laughs> works for me uh, <laughs> yeah. uh that was one of my uh biggest complaints about the last movie uh because his his whole like uh sudden betrayal comes super out of left field and super so late in the movie and then he ends mm-hmm. up getting killed very soon after it's like well that was kind of pointless um so it was cool to see that uh and then we jump to what was probably my favorite part of this movie uh which is we jump right back into haddonfield halloween night 78 mm-hmm and this was the moment where I damn near fist bumped uh, the air around me because I was by myself mostly. Uh, but I was like, oh, like this got me hyped and excited. Uh, just the whole notion of and you had told me there was going to be flashbacks, but I hadn't really dug into it. But like the fact that we got a flashback, 
to that night. Uh, and the entire idea of like, yeah, Michael was out for what? 48 hours uh, in, in the original movie. And we know what happened yeah. at the end of that time. Uh, even if you dump out the second movie, you know, we know what happened for some of that, but there are big gaps of time where we have no idea what Michael is doing. And yeah. just the idea of, of, well, let's go back in and fill in those gaps. I love that idea. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Hawkins tells us in dialogue in the first movie, he was there the night Michael got captured, but now we actually see it. And that is infinitely better in film show. Don't tell rule. Number one. Uh, so I was very excited for this, the young Hawkins thing. Um, I do have a, a John Colin grit nitpick to point out though, which is, uh, uh, excuse me, the sheriff patches in the flashback scenes are not accurate to the 1978 movie. I don't sound like that. You don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my... And I would only know that because I had done stupid amounts of research on that goddamn patch a couple years ago to put that costume together. Um, you look good, boo. My patches are totally inaccurate, too. I can't be too mad at the movie. Um, yeah, yeah, no one no one since 78 has been able to replicate the 78 patch. So, um, But no, we, we, we get to see... Um, there's a lot crammed in this for we see Hawkins as a young deputy. We see him and his partner. We see the the sort of manhunt going on for Michael when his his um, rampage is started but not quite ended yet. Um, we hear one of the sheriff guys talking about he knew Michael Myers when he was a kid and his, you know his, my mom made me go over and play with him like just little bits like that. I was like oh this is so good this is so good uh, just mm-hmm. anything anything to flesh out that backstory of Michael even more and again it it flirts with. Because part of what makes Michael Myers in the original film so great, and, and even in 2018, is we don't know shit about him. Mm-hmm. We know suddenly at age, what, six or whatever, he decided to kill his sister. And then he yeah. got locked away in a hospital. And then he escaped and killed some more babysitters. We don't know shit about him. We don't know anything. We don't know his, his personal life. There's never any kind of motive given because uh, we've retconned that out. So, like, we don't really know much. And it's it's fun to see them kind of fill in some of the gaps, but not to the point of ruining the mystery of Michael. Yep. That's exactly what I loved. I loved that they did that. And they they mentioned, you know, he would just stare out the window. And I thought that was just... And then they're like, you know, maybe he wasn't staring out the window. Maybe he was looking at his own reflection. And they kind of go into these psychological things without explaining away the mystery and, and, and the fear, which I thought yeah. was really cool. So, and it's... Um, they do a good job of, of presenting an idea but not exploring it. And right. in different circumstances, that can be really bad. Uh, right. But in this case, when it comes to Michael and his backstory and whatnot, I think it's a good way to go of presenting an idea. Well, you know, it could be this, it could have been that. So it's sort of like, um, not to get off topic, but it's sort of like Joker's origin in the dark Knight, mm-hmm. where he just, starts giving random versions of his origin and you can choose to believe or not believe whatever one you want. That's kind of what this movie felt like to a point of, you know, we're going to throw out some information about Michael and someone's going to sort of wax philosophic about what that might mean, but we're not going to draw any conclusions about it. And, and you can or can't choose, you can choose to believe or dismiss whatever you like or don't like, because we're not going to go, you know, we're, we're not going to double down on any one theory. Um, right. That was cool. 
And then we get uh, another thing I love, which is the whole, you know, Lonnie's encounter with, uh, which, which, first of all, I love the fact that Lonnie, a, a throwaway character from the original movie, now has backstory and a kid. And I was like, really? Lonnie? <laughs> Yeah, buddy, it was the, Erwin Yablonza's son played uh, Lonnie in the first one. The, the, the guy distributor of the movie. Shoes away from the Myers house. I mean, it's literally it's like a thirty seconds in, in the original. But hey, no, I'm all well, he's, for it. He's the one who's talking to Tommy. He's like, the boogeyman is coming. That's Lonnie. And then he runs off, and Michael grabs him when he goes down the stairs, and he looks at him, and he lets him go. And then Michael gets in the car and follows Tommy. But yeah, that but was that's, Lonnie. That's in the daylight. That doesn't matter. You get grabbed up by Michael Myers when you're about 11. Tell me it don't matter. I'm just okay. saying. Okay. Anyway, I love the fact that, and this is one of the things that I love, but I think we lean into too much, which is literally everyone who's still alive from 1978 is still living in Haddonfield. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that because you got to think uh, Nurse Marion probably didn't live in Haddonfield the first time. So I'm thinking, you know, probably Tommy, uh, maybe Lindsay. Definitely Lonnie, but I think Nurse Marion might make the trip in from Russellville or some crap. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. feel she belongs in Haddonfield, but something else to give the movie a point for that it named out to Russellville. Let's say yes. Waiting for backup from Russellville. Ha <laughs> Russellville. Ah. Damn, we know that one. That's a Kentucky reference. Um yeah, shit like when they're walking through the, the the Myers house, the young Hawkins and his partner, there's the corpse of the dog. Mm-hmm. You get you got hungry. Uh, yep, we're not ignoring that. We're not gonna pretend. We're not gonna ignore it and pretend it'll go away. Um, no. But that is that does bring me to um, one of the first again. Yeah, talked about the fractured story, so I, I timed it in in under ten minutes. We see. Uh, Allison's boyfriend finding Hawkins. Then we jump all the way back to 1978 to meet young Hawkins and his partner and Lonnie and the bully kids. Um, and, and that's all in the first 10 minutes of the movie. So the movie throws a lot at you quick. Uh, if you wow. haven't watched, yeah, if, if you haven't watched the 2018 movie really recently before watching this one, you're doing it wrong. Uh, and anyway, this one, honestly, I would say just, just carve some time out and watch the 78 and 2018 and then watch this one. Um, cause it, it, it also doesn't know if it wants to hold your hand and remind you of who people are or what's going on, or if it just wants to drop you in and, and let you figure it out or not figure it out. Cause certain things get dialogue or like you said, flashbacks to explain and other things don't. Mm-hmm. I forgot the, the, uh, um, son-in-law, husband, whatever died in the last movie. Forgot that completely. There's no flashback to remind me of that. They just talk about it. he's gone. I'm like, oh, oh, I guess he died. It was, it was mostly off screen too, which didn't help. Like, I think he was choking him, and then it cut to inside, and Lori looks out and like sees him lowering the body down or something. It was not a big death scene to right. where you might remember. It. And then he was stuffed in the cabinet upstairs. Um, but yeah, yeah, that doesn't get any recap. No, guess not. Uh, but we go through, we, we, we film a whole new flashback of Lonnie running into Michael Myers the night of his rampage. Just so you'll know that Lonnie had a run in with him. That gets a whole like new, we had, we had to film new footage for that, but we can't, 
Like it's, I don't understand the logic behind what they do and don't choose to remind you of. Um, I wish they would have just gone full out one way or the other, just stop and explain everything or just don't explain anything. Um, Cause the back and forth got weird. Um, yeah. But it brings us to another thing I want to praise the movie for, uh, which is we see the capture of Michael on that night and we get to see Loomis again. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that was, but they did a good job. I'm sure they did some CGI on his face, but yeah. And I want to praise it because it looks great. Um, yeah. However, they did it. Yeah. There's, there's multiple form, you know, ways to do that, but it looked good. I knew it wasn't really that actor, but it, it fooled me. I think, you know, he, it's, he's mostly in darkness and it's at night. And he's not on the screen very long. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Uh, and some of his dialogue is even in slow-mo. So it, it, you know, they, they did a lot, a lot of things to help kind of cover it up, but so it looked great. And yeah. I just loved seeing Loomis again. Um, that can, you know, that can backfire. There's a lot of bad, you know, CGI crap like that out there, but this was really well done. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, as if that wasn't enough in the first 10 minutes. You, am I going to catch up at any point here? Or are you just going to go through the end credits and then I start at the beginning? You just you jump in what you want, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> just, I'm just waiting for you to take a breather, boo. That's all. I'm just going through my notes, boo. I got no notes. That's my problem. So uh, I'm going to go without my notes. And when you hear me stumbling, then you jump in with your notes. Okay. Um, Anything I brought up that you wanted to talk more about? I'm sorry. Not really. I mostly agree with with what you're saying. The there was one scene where he shot at him. Where uh, was it? Hawkins that shot at him, or was it the other dude? I don't remember. But it was a seven. It was one of the flashbacks, and Michael just turned the corner, and they did this fun little thing where, you know, he runs. The cop runs down. I don't like. I said I don't remember if it was. It's Hawkins, Hawkins yeah, yeah. Okay, so he runs down and he looks over and there's like a fence and there was nowhere for Michael to have gone. Like, you know, he turned that corner and he went down that alleyway. But when Hawkins runs up, and that was kind of a cool little thing that um, tied back to the original where there's times that he um, exhibits kind of supernatural, um, which we, of course, get into later in this movie. But he, you know, he kind of has this way of of disappearing, like a kind of like a ghost, and and um, that was, to me, that was a throwback to a few of those little scenes where he's suddenly in places we don't know how he got there. Um, so there's a slight sliver of supernatural. When you talk about Michael Myers, you really don't talk about supernatural all that much, except for the fact that he can't die. But he he you know he doesn't have you know teleportation powers and he doesn't have like you know whatever but there's something about him that is is not human and that's my boy dr loomis says that right there um so that's that's that was kind of fun they did that little moment i loved the uh you know i'm a mask guy i'm a costume guy Mm -hmm. um i love the flashback mask dude i thought they did a fantastic job and um that is um, Justin Mabry and uh, effects artist Chris Nelson, who did the masks and and different things, the makeup effects, obviously. But um, it, it you'd be shocked at how hard it is has been over the years to get a decent Michael Myers mask from a licensed maker. I mean, they're horrendous, and 
it, you know, it's a white mask, but it's not just a white mask. And like I said, they did great for, and I love the 18 mask. And I, I thought they did a fun thing with the kills mask where they had half of it melted off, but not melted off, but melted um, because of the fire. So they, and that's something I'm wondering if we're ever going to get any explanation on, because literally in, let me do my back thinking here. Okay. You know, we see where he gets the masks throughout the movies. Um, in the first one, he got it at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Uh, then part the original part two is supposed to be the same mask carrying on the same night. Um, in part four, he gets, uh, you know, he gets it from the hard the uh, drugstore. Part five is supposed to be the same one, even though it's atrocious. In six, we have no explanation of where that mask comes from. It's just kind of there. I always kind of felt like the cult of thorn like made it for him which is <laughs> weird but like but sounds what like something it? they would do right that's how they roll they're like get get this guy over here get him some clay we're gonna make michael a new mask um but one thing that that the mask is is fairly talked about in the movie um there's a scene where he's killing somebody and she's pushing up on the mask as he's like choking her or whatever and that kind of distorts it. And then later, of course, we saw this in the trailer. Karen's got the mask out on the freaking front stoop and she's hollering, like taunting him with the mask. So uh, I just think that that's interesting that they're playing with that. And I wonder if we're ever going to get any kind of explanation as to why Michael Myers has to wear this mask when he murders people. And I just think that that it could go either way. Like, yeah, that's neat that you kind of gave that a side story, or it could be like, we don't need to know that. And I'm not sure which one it is, but um, I, I think that fits. No, no, it's fine, dude. I think that fits firmly in the we'll present an idea, but we're not going to like confirm an idea because mm-hmm. you can get into, you know, we're getting we're jumping way ahead, but the, the scene at the end when he doesn't mm-hmm. have a mask on, um, before he gets attacked by the mob and he stops to put the mask back and we and we stop and we take time to watch him mm-hmm. oh, sorry put the mask back on you could you know i could sit here and armchair psychologist like you know he feels like it's his true face and it's sort of a you know it's like with batman you know putting on the mask your mentality changes and it's you know you can Whatever, you know, people have, have have written term papers and shit about, you know, that mask and Michael and wearing it and whatnot. So you can kind of draw your own conclusions. But as far mm-hmm. as like flat out saying this is why he wears the mask, I don't think we'll do anything that like blunt. Right. Uh, not like with the uh, the Rob Zombie thing where it's it's the, you know, you know, the kid put on that mask to kill his sister. So he has like a sentimental thing attached to it. Yeah, uh, I forgot how stupid the image of a six-year-old with that mask on looked <laughs> until I was watching a review of that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the mask definitely gets some play in this movie, and yeah. and again at the end of this movie, it's not quite the same mask. Um, it is the beginning of this movie, which I think is something cool. Is you can kind of, and I'm sure this is also a marketing thing because now we can do more masks for the next movie. Um, you could almost do, you know, chronologically, like, and I'm sure somebody will, but movie covers or movie posters where it's just the the mask and how the mask has changed from film to film. 
um, mm-hmm. from 78 to 18 to this one with the the burns on it and uh, 18 where it's you know it's got the decay because it's been you know 40 years and in 78 when it's fresh and clean and then you know at the end of this one it's it's got the burns and the scars and it's it's beaten up a bit but it's also got some very strategic blood stains on it um so we could go even further with that but uh, it's 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 interesting to see that yeah the mask isn't just a a prop we had to have on set but it, it's actually been given care and time and i'm sure their discussions went into how it should look in this movie how burned should it be how does latex actually burn uh you know that you know i'm sure that those discussions happen <laughs> whenever that? i was whenever i was trying to paint it up when i was doing my uh second uh, halloween kills paint up i had an extra mask over here and i was like you know what let's see what this looks like you know i'm trying to get my color right on the mm-hmm. burn part of it whatever and uh it stinks to high hell so <laughs> there's that it's probably way toxic for me to be like sitting here lighting this mask on fire but uh yeah you know it it kind of looked like how mine looked i guess whenever i lit mine on fire so anyway it, they like i said i think they did a good job oh i got one more and then uh okay. i got two more okay go, yeah, go. and then i'll let you get back to your notes one thing i really liked was the kind of diversity uh, for lack of a better way to say it and that's just um you know representation of different you know groups that you may or may not see in 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 mainstream movies quote unquote um you know you had the uh african-american couple she was a doctor and he was a nurse and and so they're just well-educated professional folks uh you know representing kind of that um that group and then of course there was big john and little john who uh, was a gay couple who lived in the old myers house um and then you had the old uh, interracial couple who who were murdered pretty hardcore by michael um so i just thought that that was you know, these are just some groups that may not always get representation, especially in slasher movies. And so I'm sure it pisses some people off, but I don't care. Um, but anyway, well, it, so it does. I'll say this. It, it does so in a way that doesn't stop and draw attention to itself. Mm-hmm. Like it's not yeah. trying to pat itself on the back for, oh, look how inclusionary we are. Like it, yeah. and it didn't make a big deal out of that in, in the marketing or, you know, you didn't hear any stories about, oh, the, the first gay couple will get killed on screen in Halloween Kills this year. Like, or, you know, oh, Halloween Kills will display the first, inter- you know, like Disney keeps doing with, oh, look, it's our first openly gay character that they've done three times. Um, and it's always like some random sort of vague line of dialogue where it's like, oh, I guess I like boys like nuts. Uh, Disney keeps doing that and it pisses me off. They did it with, uh, and I'm I'm getting way off on a tangent now. I'm sorry. Uh, they did it with um, um, Gaston's buddy in Beauty and the Beast, and more recently they did it with um, uh, the brother in Jungle Cruise, where they they hype up, oh, it's our first openly gay character, and like literally you cut one scene out of each of those movies, and you'd have, and there's nothing to indicate that that person's gay. It's just right. we like the headline for patting our, oh look how great we are, like. Halloween Kills doesn't care about that shit. Just they're there, and they're people equally cannon people. fodder as anybody else in the movie would be. Um, yep. They're not presented like you know, the gay couple isn't presented as like stereotypically. Uh, you know, they're not speaking with lisps and limp wrists and like because if they if it was a gay couple in the '80s, you know, they'd be there for like comic relief. It would be like oh yeah, horribly, uh, stereotypically offensively gay characters. And it's just yeah. that's who they are. 
Um, yeah. and, and again, the, the movie doesn't make a big deal out of it or whatever. It's just it's it, it just presents them as this is this is who lives in Haddonfield now. Um, yeah. So I'll give it props for not just the representation, but also just like not making a huge deal about the 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 representation and not trying to like pat themselves on the back for being woke or whatever. Yeah, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't really a story element. These were just two people. Uh, yeah, it, it was just, it, that their head, their sexuality was not the point of them. They're just two folks having to live in the Myers house. Terrible idea, by the way. Don't live in the freaking Myers house. Okay? I disagree. In this day and age, in our murder show obsessed culture, that that house would double in value because it's the Michael Myers murder house. Probably so, <laughs> and then it'll double in murders. Actually, triple yep. by the end. Okay, let me say one more thing, and then I'll let you go on with your chronological. Okay, sorry. Um, just what I had referenced earlier, the scene, I don't, let me ask you if you know which scene I'm talking about that they should have left out of the trailer that would have been awesome revealed. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. Oh, whenever he came out of the basement closet and got the firefighter, like that whole firefighter scene should have been two flashes in the trailer and that's it. Like we should Let's... have seen Michael's triumphant return for the first time on screen and especially because they hit it with the music too the freaking door went up and it's like Prong! or whatever it was and i'm like well that's neat but i saw it in the trailer so it doesn't really hit the way that i wish it did um so that that was the part that irritated me as far as what i'd already seen before no let's dig right. into that because i've got a whole section of notes just about that scene um, okay. i'm with you i love the idea of that and i love the imagery of that uh, him coming out of the house uh, while it's burning down around him, like that image. Yeah, put that on the posters and make your advertising campaign around that. Cool, because we know he's going to get out of the house, or the rest right. of the movie doesn't happen. So that in and of itself isn't a spoiler. But how he gets out of the house is a really interesting question. And yeah. and having the whole oh the firefighters come in to put the fire out and they inadvertently that's a cool idea. But the way it's presented. When I talked about Michael Myers feels like he's on brand, this is the scene that does not feel like it's on brand for Michael Myers. It starts that way. He, he hid in the gun cabinet because that's where he got out of the fire. Someone fell down to the floor, so he lifts up the thing to come kill him. I was cool with that. I'm with you. That should not have been in the trailer at all. Um, he then proceeds to just walk out front and John Wick his way through a bunch of firefighters. <laughs> But we don't really pause on the gore long enough for it to be gore porn, and he's not fighting fast enough for it to be a, really a fight scene. It's just awkward. The whole thing is awkward, and it makes no goddamn sense, and I hate every second of it, because what they should have been is firefighters, because they set up their own perfect example. This scene should have taken maybe five minutes. Of them coming in, one of their own falls down, he gets killed off, we see Michael killing him off, and the rest of it should be the firefighters trying to get in to rescue their own guy while Michael takes them out one by one. Imagine him stalking firefighters in a burning house. Like, that's what Michael Myers does. You know, take him out one at a time and hiding behind stuff, and, and maybe like the house crumbles around him while he's doing it. So the finale of that sequence is him stepping out of the house. That's the last shot of that scene. There's no kill them all in the front yard bullshit. Yeah, and that leads me to another point that I did not particularly care for is there was so much time spent on 
pointless scenes. And, and, and I hate to say that because, like I said, generally I'm going to lean towards, um, you know, I'm going to lean towards just, just loving every bit of it. But there were scenes that, you know, looking back that just kind of drug on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing with the couple in the Myers house, they, there was so much there that was like, we need to see all this and see if they would have trimmed that back then they would have had more time for your fantastic idea of stalking firefighters in a burning house. That would have made for a better sequence. I think you're absolutely right. I think that would have been freaking awesome. Um, But, you know, and there were other scenes I can't, you know, I can't put my hand on it right now that, that were just too like, like the stuff at the hospital. I feel Mm -hmm. like that went on for too long. And I get what they were going for. And Michael Myers turns us all into monsters and and he turned this mob into these people. And they ended up, you know, chasing after this poor little dude. And, and, but it seemed like there was a lot of that and it was, went on for a long time, but maybe that's just me. So. No, I'm with you. Like I said, my biggest complaint is, is the story feels fragmented and Mm -hmm. each fragment doesn't really ever fully connect like i mean i guess it i guess it does in a sense but it, it feels more like uh okay trick-or-treat is an anthology it's separate stories but characters from one pop up in the background of another because they're all on the same town in the same night and i guess that's kind of how this feels like an anthology movie but we're really just telling one story right <laughs> which is odd because like yeah we get um big john and little john and their story yeah, I think introduces the kids who are running around pranking people for candy, which seems like a really overly elaborate prank just to get candy. Um, but which and they're the kids who were running around in the the shamrock masks from the first movie. So hey, it ties into that. But then we cut back to them again when they're like in the playground, which technically links up with with Lindsay and in um, um, the doctor nurse couple. Uh, while they're out searching for Michael, like they all do technically connect, but they still feel really fragmented. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we, we cut, we keep cutting back to characters and it can't seem to decide like, are we just going to watch these characters long enough so we can kill them off? Or are they going to come back around again and be important? Like mm-hmm. the Lori's neighbors, the interracial couple, who are there long enough to, and get like three minutes of, of sort of quirky coupley dialogue. So you'll maybe kind of care about them just so Michael can kill them off. Like yep. they're there just to up the body count. Um, oh, that was one kill that I thought was interesting was the, first of all, the freaking light bulb to the neck was like, <laughs> that was pretty intense. Michael's been watching some hardcore wrestling. I guess so. Um, but the uh, so he kills the guy and then he drags him and throws his body over top of the island in the kitchen and he's pulling knives out and he's like looking at him and it's not the right one. So he stabs it into this dude's back and it, it that the his motion in that really caught my eye because he looked like a kid picking out a toy 
and he's pick he picks up another knife and he doesn't like it and he stabs it into the dude's back and he does it like for five of them and finally he gets the one that he likes and he walks off but the way he held his hand and the way he set him over there he looked like a child which then we come back to when hawkins says he is a six-year-old in the body of a man with the mind of an animal and i thought that was a really interesting way to put that because it was another way to kind of just think about how he is now hawkins doesn't know obviously he's just kind of guessing i guess but um talking about that kill specifically his his movement really caught my eye and i thought that was really interesting bro you're blowing my mind here <laughs> legit uh that's deep and i love it i love uh, it because what i was i was what caught me in that scene was the and maybe it was i i interpreted it as deliberate cruelty of he's repeatedly stabbing this lady's husband while she's bleeding out watching it all happen yeah, that that's a whole different you, you had a whole different read on that and that's amazing um i like yours better because <laughs> is just a dick uh yeah uh, i would which, i'll need to uh really rewatch that again but that caught my eye and i thought that because that the when that happened was before we hear that from hawkins and then he said that and i'm like oh that was a thing so I'll have to uh, whenever I rewatch it, I'll I'll watch that closer and and see if yeah see if I think it's the same thing the second time around. It's a cool read, man. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going through and hitting on the important stuff. I did go through and highlight some uh, some important things because I mean there, there's uh, we wouldn't have time to go through it all chronologically, but um, so yeah, we talked about Michael seeing um, the kills are a lot more brutal this time. They they really kind of up the gore. Um, yeah, it never pull. feels particularly gratuitous. Um, maybe one scene um, where he's poking out uh, little John or Big John, and you literally see the eyeball pop out. That, that was a little much. That was a little intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, question for you: Am I supposed to know who the bar owner is? No. Okay. Good. No, we we don't know who that guy is. It's funny because I swear I feel like I've I know people like that. Like as soon as he started talking, mm-hmm. I was like, I know that guy. Like I, I've seen that guy in, in like real life. If I was a betting man, I'd say that was a guy that they found who was not an actor, and this is just kind of like that's just him. You know what I mean? I think that's a very safe bet. Yeah. So because uh, the way they kept talking about, oh yeah, my grandfather owned the bar, and like it points to the picture, and I'm like Am I supposed to know him? It's like we're introducing no. a lot of characters from back in the day, and I know who most of them are supposed to be, but I don't know this guy. Yeah, uh, I don't know who what was it, old Hickory or whatever, the old Huckabee, yeah, old Huckleberry, the the baseball Huckleberry. battle. Like, I don't, I, maybe that's some lore I don't know from one of like the other movies down the road. But okay, okay, cool. I got nothing on that one. No, yeah, I don't, I don't feel bad then. <laughs> um. <laughs> I also have circled 36 minutes in. We're still introducing characters. Uh, <laughs> Big John and Little John don't show up to the, the 36 minute mark. Then uh, their things that, caught my eye in the opening credits. I was like, Big John and Little John, huh? Okay, let's see what this is about. I also wrote intrigued. down that to that point, we've seen Lori for less than two minutes, including her surgery scene where she's unconscious. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another big thing I, I know is upsetting people about this movie and, and on second viewing I kind of have to agree with is this is not a movie about Lori and, and Lori is really like a tertiary character in this movie uh, mm-hmm. like she's there just so we can keep track of well here's where she is but and as far as this movie goes she doesn't do shit right she sits in a hospital bed and has some some uh, monologues that's pretty much it some sentimental time with Frank yeah, yeah. this was Karen's movie this was definitely Karen's movie. Yeah. Well, and, Karen and Allison too. I mean, yeah. both of those characters, this was this was their movie. And then we're going to see, you know, there's that last shot of Lori looking out the window. I don't know if it's the very last shot, but she's looking out the window. And, and then and we know that Michael and Lori's movie is coming next year. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I, I hope I hope it is. I don't know. I hope it is. Sorry. That's it. The first movie was so clearly Lori's movie. Mm-hmm. And she was the focus. Um, and I think if you're coming into this expecting that, you're wrong. This is, I would argue, this is Michael's movie. Um, mm-hmm. Michael is the main character in this movie. Everyone is either talking about him, motivated by him, or directly involving him. That's this true. is Michael's movie. That's a good point. Um, and and that's an interesting way to come at a movie like this. Um, it's a very very narrow tight walk to rope because it, tight rope right. to walk. There we go. Because um, you can fall too far to one side and explain too much about him and take away all the mystery and the aura of the character. Um, but the way they do it is again, it's mostly people talking about him, and even sometimes people telling stories about him. Uh, which helps to hype up the whole boogeyman angle um, of you know his legend has grown further than any one man could, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but that being said, uh, a big thing that I, I didn't quite buy into, and you know we talked about earlier the way that the story's put together. If you would have cut some of those unnecessary scenes, you could have maybe devoted more time to the whole city turning into a mob in about thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there was in a parody movie, there'd be somebody handing out pitchforks and torches, <laughs> like in case of mob break glass and here's your pitchfork, here's your torch. Um, it just felt like the entire town descended too quickly. And there's one scene that d- as soon as it happened, I was like, well, that was fucking stupid. Why did, why are we with spending time? Literally Tommy drives up to people who were standing out in front of a store. Uh, and he just starts shouting at him. Uh, I need people. I need good people. Michael Myers is loose. We got him like, he's just soliciting random people on the street. Like you've got the whole scene in the hospital where the mob kind of organically grows. Cause people are there looking to find out what happened to their loved ones. And then you had the information of, Oh, it was Michael. And like that kind of like that scene there is kind of like the birth of the mob. Uh, so like so many random scenes of Tommy just walking up to people, like trying to recruit a mob. And I'm like, this feels unnamed. Like cut this, please cut this. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't disagree with that, but I think that, you know, this, this air of, of kind of Michael Myers and, and, and it's hung over this town for so long that it's, it's like a curse for back lack of a better word, but it's like this legend that instills fear in people. You know, Michael Myers is the boogeyman. And, you know, you think about it, kids talk about this. So, you know, I think that I, I, I can't say what I would do 
if I was in a situation and somebody came up and was like, okay, the boogeyman is real. He's here murdering people. Let's go kill him. Like, I don't know what I would do. So, <laughs> like, I don't mind so, the idea of, of the town becoming a mob. I just think the, again, the organic way to do that, and it's in the movie, is when everyone kind of converges on the hospital. And we witness with the characters sort of the 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 aftermath of, of Michael's most recent rampage. Yeah, that's where the mob should start to grow from. And it's the first uh, second time we hear the god awful line evil dies tonight, um, which, oh, my God, guys, we get it. Put it on the poster and move on. Um, sorry, I, I have Italian marks somewhere. Many times people say that line in this movie. Um, but it, yeah, I feel like that's the organic place for it. everyone there is motivated, like even if it's uh, the mother of the um, uh, best friend of the boyfriend from the last movie, uh, when she sees her son get killed, which what fucking hospital has a morgue with a viewing window just where people walk by it? Sorry. Uh, I saw that and I was like, nobody stopped and was like, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch whenever we were writing this line out that Allison's standing next to the window and she looks over and she sees her buddy's dead ass body through the window like uncovered huh? not even a sheet over him yeah yeah now i i did think it was in like they could have done that a little bit better maybe she just wandered off and ended up in the morgue or something i don't know that could have been better that well, was like and then uh, I thought, what i thought the reason behind that is when that yeah because allison's there first I'm like well that's stupid that's not how hospitals work but then i saw the the best friend's mom see her son there and i was like oh okay this will be like character motivation for her or something like this no it never i don't think we ever see the the mom again i don't i don't think it ever pays off at all it's just oh you can relax his mom knows he's dead now like oh we were all so worried about that i don't yeah sorry i think what they, what they had one thing that they attempted to do, I thought they did a pretty good job about it. But in slasher movies, you don't see anybody grieve for the people who die, you know, especially not in the 80s. Of course, those were just we're just having a great time murdering people. But for the most part, there's and, the, you know, that's kind of the nature of slasher movies. But you don't see the aftermath of the grief of of how people feel, you know, whenever their loved ones die. Like that shot of that little buddy with his teeth all chipped off because he you know, got the fence through his face. That was like, I felt bad. Like I felt sympathy, which in the middle of watching Michael Myers slash people to pieces is, is I feel kind of different for this type of movie. So I thought that that, and of course, you know, we referenced the dad several times throughout the movie. Lonnie talks about his dad and you see Allison, she's laughing, but then there's, you know, then she you know, turns into tears and, and it was, it was very sad. Um, which you don't always see in, in these kind of movies. So I thought they did a pretty good job with that. The morgue viewing window is stupid as hell, though. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I yeah, and again, give them that one. it's another one of those, like, it's a it's an interesting idea on paper of, of stopping to witness the carnage of Michael's rampage and mm -hmm. using that as motivation for the town. On paper, that all sounds good. In execution in this movie, it's clunky and ham-fisted. Um, and, and it almost detracts from what good it could have done. Um, going through my notes, uh, just, I love all the times we see Michael stop to stage his dead bodies because mm -hmm. um, that's one thing I love about the original, and one thing that I, I loved about 2018. Like, we don't get any Coppo lanterns in this movie, <laughs> uh, which I know is some people kind of like it jumped the shark a, point, a bit with that in the last movie, but I loved it. Yeah, um <laughs> that was awesome 
thought that was great. I want to know where that prop is. Um, that, that was the makeup designer. Did you know that was the special effects guy? Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but we see, especially in the park, where we see uh, Chambers and the doctor uh, nurse couple, and then Big John and Little John. Um, exceptionally poignant. We see him them posed in the same pose that are in, in the the picture of them together. Um, and again, that, that just it just felt on brand like that's that's kind of what my that's what michael does and i liked it yep. um we get a ben tramer reference yeah buddy <laughs> i'm just flipping through stuff uh da, 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 da. oh um okay so we're talking about the mob and stuff i want to give props to you and i didn't look up his name because i'm bad at my job um the actor who plays the smith's girl's inmate the one who's erroneously identified as michael and the whole mob tries to kill in the hospital mm-hmm. that actor does a great job of conveying like i felt genuinely bad for that guy and oh, yeah. sympathy for that character when he's, he's knocking on the hospital door and he has, somebody help me please and it's like the mob turns on him like I felt more sympathy for him than anyone else this entire movie. And, he was kind of the anti-Michael. He's the, you know, he's the anti-Michael. He was mm-hmm. just this meek, poor little, you know, sympathetic character. Now there was the moment where he was reaching across around the wall and Karen was there, and I thought that he, I thought they might make him go violent there, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was absolutely the right choice. We have enough violence, and I think that. Um, you know, there, there. I feel like I could sit here and break down. You know, the mob it represents the evil in us, and all it takes is a little evil to pull that out of every single one of us, and it, you know, attacks this innocence. And then the, you know, he instead of instead of taking anyone else's life, he takes his own. And you know, once again, the opposite of Michael, which I thought was very interesting. And then yeah, that, and- of course, that gore effect man that was freaking intense that was the great gore effect i think it was completely unnecessary uh i think everything everything up to that suicide was done very well and handled pretty well and the the camera angle of like following him as he falls uh when they then smash cut pun not intended um to his yeah, yeah. Uh, when they cut back to his carnage on the ground i was like well we didn't really need to see that did we (sighs) I mean, yeah. again, props to the 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 gore effects people. You did, you did a great job with it, but I uh, really don't think we needed to see that. Um, yeah, I think that could go either way. I think we didn't necessarily need to see it quite that explicit, but I think for the people to see the horror that they had kind of created, I feel like we could have just seen them looking at it. And we would be, we would be right. fine, but you um, wouldn't know. And now some, you know. sometimes less is more. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, my next big point then, and we're getting kind of uh, towards the end of the film. And, and stop me uh, if you want to go back and talk about something. Is there's kind of a big revelation in this movie? And I say kind of because I I think we're gonna stick to it, but we might go back on it. Um, it's not about Lori, and we we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, that's the you know. Towards the end of the film, Lori is, oh, no, he's coming here. He's coming to get me. He's coming here. And, and, and Hawkins is like, it isn't about you, Lori. This didn't, you know, he didn't come at, he didn't come to your house in the last film. He was brought there. Like, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, is something really interesting. Yeah. Um, 
it, it gives the hint that there's there's something more to Michael. It's not about revenge or finishing what he started in '78 and didn't get to finish. Um, we, again, we kind of get a few potential explanations. There's the whole looking at his reflection in the mirror kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the idea that uh, that Lonnie brings up. He's going home. That's his mo. He 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 kills. He he puts on a show and he goes home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, the movie kind of puts out lots of of potential motivation, but it doesn't sit or rest on any one of them. Which um, I thought was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like the, the the fact that you know again the same way that in the last movie severing the you're his sister thing um, was kind of a bold move, but I think it paid off really well. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a bold move here to say, hey, it's not about you, Laurie. I, I don't think we've really seen that payoff yet. Um, no, we'll we'll see that. I think we'll see that material. I would hope. But I thought, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're first. Oh, I was just going to totally agree with you. I thought that was fantastic the way that they did that, and I think that it it kind of helped to to bridge this whole like Doctor Sartan taking him out to Lori's house. Doctor Sartan was obsessed with both of them. Mm-hmm. Lori was obsessed with Michael. Michael is obsessed with killing. And that's that's the difference. Lori was obsessed with him, but he's not that worried about her. But Dr. Sartan saw this. I think that's how you say his name. He saw this kind of connection and he wanted to see what was going to happen. And you know, he was an interesting character that kind of got shuffled all around, and you really didn't kind of understand what he had going on until. I, I just think he's, he, because he was Dr. Loomis's protege yeah. and I thought that was really interesting. So when did he become obsessed with Michael? Was it before he started working with Dr. Loomis? Was it, did he grow into this obsession about Michael? But anyway, I thought that the way that they let Lori know, this is not really about you, you know? And I think, um, Allison says something to like that whenever she's talking to the cop, like debriefing or whatever. She's like, you know, he wasn't going out there. It was Dr. Sartan that drove us out there. And, you know, Michael just happened to be there in the freaking car. But it was, I don't know. I just thought that that was really well done. And I think it'll play off in an interest or play out in an interesting way in the next movie. Um, yeah, it does. It does retroactively give uh, Dr. Not Loomis a little more explanation. And, and it makes his actions less totally out of left field. Right. Uh, in, in, in retrospect. Yeah. But yeah, again, it, it's... It's a cool setup. Uh, hopefully, we'll see uh, a satisfying resolution to it. Because uh, if it wasn't about Lori, and if you know Michael Plot doesn't care, and, and Lori may have spent her entire life obsessing about somebody who didn't give a shit about her, but about uh, the end of this film, Lori has ample opportunity to want to go after Michael, mm-hmm. or ample ample motivation, I should say. Right. Because um, at the end of the film. Uh, we took a weird way to get there, but I kind of like where it ends. Um, we get, mm-hmm. as Tommy sets up early in the film, and I love, hey, good setup and payoff, uh, when he's <laughs> when he's addressing the random people on the street trying to build his mob army, uh, he's he's talking to some random people and says, oh, the way you got to get Michael is you got to you gotta use his own uh, moves against him. You got to distract him and then come at him from a different angle. Um, 
how Tommy knows that, I don't know. But Tommy tells people that, and then sure enough, that's exactly how we get Michael um, in the end here. First, the the first uh, look left while we come at you from the right is uh, with Allison um, sort of baiting him, like, do it, do it, stab me, stab me, because unknown to us right behind him is uh, her mom with the pitchfork. Uh, so she stabs him, gets the mask off when we get that shot from trailer you know, come get it come get it and like that was the first guy like oh hey cool then yeah that's that's how you get them um and it was kind of a nice little callback to the end of the last film where again it's daughter and mother working together to psych out michael and get him uh the whole i can't i can't gotcha kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, that was cool uh but it leads to the even bigger setup which is she gets michael to chase her right into the trap of the townspeople surrounding him and the mob I guess being put to good use uh, of of just beating the shit out of Michael, mm-hmm. um, which again feels like that's where the movie should end. But mm. It's a Halloween movie. It, it, it's one of those. It feels like, and again, I, I won't know until we see the third film, and to to see how this gets paid off, or if we just ignore it, or what. But it feels like they wrote themselves into a corner. Uh, if we're going to do the story of the mob trying to get Michael and, you know, it's a really cool moment of, hey, that's another, you know, and she even says the line, gotcha. Um, just like in the last movie where she traps him in and, and now he's he's uh, surrounded and he, 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 you know, unless he's going to John Wick his way out of it, like at the beginning again, um, which maybe that's why that whole scene's there. Uh, I don't know. It feels like they wrote themselves into a corner. It's like, well, we we have to keep Michael alive, but this logically would be where the movie ends. the 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 mob finally gets a hold of him, and we've you know we've we've been very careful to be like, oh, yeah, he's he's just a guy. We can kill him, and okay, we killed him, but we can't because there's another movie coming. So it it felt like, and I wrote down Deus Ex plot armor. Um, Michael Myers is saved because plot. Um, and again, this might pay off in the third movie. I don't know, but we get um, the line that again feels like it's written just for the trailer. The whole "the more he kills, the more he transcends" thing from Laurie. Mm-hmm. Which are we meant to take that literally? Is this yeah. him? Because he he pulls a knife out of his neck, which that should have severed his spine, and he just pulls it right out and keeps stabbing people. And there was a knife it, in the neck. I missed that part. Yeah, I, I didn't catch it till the second viewing. But literally, uh, after the mob has beaten him up and he's on the ground, kind of not moving, he drops his knife. And um, is it Karen, the daughter's name. Yeah. Okay. Karen picks up his knife and stabs him with it. Mm. And I might be wrong about the placement, but it looks like it's kind of on his back, about where your neck meets your your, your back, like right there in the spinal column. <clears throat> and he pulls it out and gets up and keeps going. After getting yeah. shot multiple times at close range, and, and I mean, again, it's a horror movie, so slashers take lots of abuse. Okay, fine, we 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 let that go. But the abuse he takes at this end, and this 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 mob beat up scene would kill anybody. Oh yeah, well, so, there's a track on the soundtrack called "Unkillable." So I mean, I oh, there you that, go. I think by the end of the movie, we we know that you can't kill Michael Myers. Like you just can't. And I agree that line is interesting because is it going to be a literal sense like like the more people he kills does he literally become more and more immortal i don't know maybe we'll see what happens um but yeah the mob scene was interesting to me i loved the lead up 
I I tell you which death kind of shook me a little bit was the Cameron death because uh, Allison's boy. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. The like what he did to that poor freaking kid. You know it. You know with this stair uh, banister thing or whatever. I don't know. Just the whole thing. I was like, wow. Well, and he he even and it, again boy. it goes back. Sorry, sorry. Uh, like we kept talking about, like he's he's super the, the brutality of Michael's cranked up because he again right in front of and he doesn't know it's her boyfriend, but right in front of someone that knows him, he smashes him against the stairs and then walks around and starts walking down the stairs and then stops to snap his neck again. Like the dude was dead and he stopped to go fuck up with the corpse. I I don't think he was dead because what I noticed was. You know, in any horror movie, they got blood coming out of the mouth, right? That's just standard. You get killed, you get stabbed, you got blood coming out of the mouth. One thing I noticed specifically was it was not blood. It was spit. It was saliva coming out of his mouth. So I think that we were supposed to feel like Michael might do that and then leave him alone. Because I don't think he was dead when Michael went down the stairs. I would have to pay attention to that next time. But I did notice it was saliva and not blood so i don't know if that was any indicator or what but just overall the way he was messing i don't know that one was messed up um it was so yeah i i don't know how to really interpret the whole mob scene it it was interesting i guess it was the way to end it but i think that the very end where Karen is killed in the same room as Judith was in the Myers house was very interesting and mm-hmm. it totally had to happen. And it kind of, I, I didn't, I mean, I hated it because I, I think, I don't think Karen's a bad person. She's just, you know, she, she doesn't always do the things that we wish she would do necessarily or, you know, but, I think she's a good person. She's trying to protect her daughter. And it's kind of like, why did she go back up there? I don't know. But she did look up there and see young Michael in his clown costume looking out the window, which was interesting. They should have left the mask on him, but the outfit's okay, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's enough, and this is something, there's enough elements very, or mostly subtly brought up in the film that we do start to kind of creep back around to the idea of there being something supernatural about Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very thin ice to tread on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I texted you and I was like, half jokingly, I expected to see a thorn cult tattoo pop up somewhere with the way that ending worked. Because it's right mm-hmm. as, you know, Lori's talking and it's basically done as a voiceover about Michael transcending and being unkillable and, and uh, the more he kills, the more he transcends and blah, blah. And that's happening as we see him, again, pull a knife out of his back, stand up and kill a bunch of people with it. Right. Uh, and then just keep walking out like everything's fine. Because uh, he made a really good time getting back from where the mob beat him up <laughs> to his house to upstairs uh, to to kill Karen. Right. So, Again, we're about to, and I didn't even pick up on the thing, the flashback about the turning the corner and disappearing when there was nowhere to disappear to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it does, and I'll have to go back and watch it a third time to pick up on some more stuff, but it does sort of at least introduce the notion of there being something vaguely supernatural about Michael. Right. And again, I hope we pay that off in the next movie. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I'm excited. I liked it. I can't wait to see it again. The uh, opening credits was very, it was different. The, the, the theme of the opening credits was very different. So I've been listening to the soundtrack since then, but it was different than any other Halloween theme we've heard before. Um, I wish that we could have had that violin theme that they had in the trailer because that shit was boss. I love yes, it that. Was. But it's nowhere to be found on the soundtrack, unfortunately. Um, so I, I guess the only other thing is I I thought Anthony Michael Hall, although he was a little intense, I thought he fit Tommy Doyle very well. And actually, if you look back at the way Brian Andrews looked in 1978, I mean, you could see how it might evolve into Anthony Michael Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the real Brian Andrews would not be a good fit for Tommy Doyle <laughs> in 2021 or any yeah. other time, really. Um, and then the same, the guy with Lonnie, I had to look up, because uh, most, you know, a lot of the people, of course, Lindsey Wallace was Kyle Richards, who, you know, is still in it's the spotlight. I don't think he said spotlight, but she's on the real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So she's still in showbiz. Um, then, of course, Marion Chambers was Nancy Stevens, and she married... Um, I don't know if they're still married or not, but she married. Um, oh, come on. The director of the second one who then turned around and directed Resurrection. So how he went from Halloween to oh, come on. What the French toast was his name? I don't know. I don't know if they're still married or not, but they were married for a little while. But okay. I thought it was cool to see her come back. Um, ah, damn it. I got to know what his name is. Anyway, <laughs> I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, overall, I was excited. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch it again. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a worthy um, entry into the Halloween lore. Not that I'm judging worth, but for me personally, I thought it was a good follow-up into the story. I think it's, you know, these, these two sequels have been some of the best sequels that they've ever, that they've done. People might argue that, um, you know, the original Halloween 2 maybe was a great sequel, which it was fine. It was good, but... Um, these feel like Michael Myers from 1978 and what he's doing 40 years later. Um, so I think they've done a successful job of that. Are they perfect movies? No, but you know, do I, do I, what like is, them? yeah, do, and what is exactly? Um, oh, last thing, two last things. And then, um, <laughs> um, one thing I did think was funny is that even though they've retconned Halloween two from 1981, Halloween 281. Anyway, um, was they used a shot from it? They used uh, Annie, who is played by Nancy Loomis, of course, that's Sheriff mm-hmm. Brackett's daughter, right? And in mm-hmm. in the 1978 movie, we don't see her after we find her in the bed, right? But in Halloween 2, we see the aftermath where Sheriff uh, Sheriff Brackett's coming, you know, to, and he finds his daughter. Basically, they used a shot from Halloween 2, which I thought was interesting. It's like, hmm, you retconned it, but you're still going to use a shot from it. Okay. Well, it was a great shot and it fit perfectly. It was, it was definitely and, and, the way to do it. I just it was and they don't, yeah. Well, and then the hospital has the same logo from 2. So it's, we've retconned 2, but certain events, I mean, his daughter still dies. So right. at some point, he's going to have to learn his daughter died. So, oh, I know. I just yeah, thought it was funny how they just happened to use that shot. That um, makes sense. Oh, and then I know I mentioned to you about the boots, the, the 78 boots <laughs> with the Damn accurate tread. tread. Yeah. Okay. 
And then you said something. I don't remember how that conversation went, but I said, well, if it makes you feel any better, they use the same boots from 2018. However, I have found out just hours ago that I was wrong about that. And they had to get new boots because the type that they used in 18 were discontinued. And so now I have two pairs of the Wolverine boots on the way to see which one I like better, steel-toed or not steel-toed. But they're the same type used in the movie. Coveralls are the same, though, except they're burnt. This is why I love you. <laughs> so for any of your listeners out there who like useless costume knowledge, there you go. Boot stuff. Nice. Uh... I like that we. I love the idea of bringing back um, characters from the first movie and seeing how, because again, the last one, eighteen, was so much about Lori and how she dealt with it. I like the idea of if we're going to do a sequel to that, we'll have everybody else deal with it. Especially if you want to do a sequel where we kind of sideline Lori. I feel like if you were going to do that, you should have left Lori in a coma in the hospital the whole time and focused solely on the other survivors. Um, and and really give them a chance to get fleshed out because other than sort of Tommy and kind of Lonnie, like Lindsay's there and she has a scene with Michael where she tries to save some kids and then she just disappears the whole rest of the movie. Chambers is there just long enough to get killed. We didn't really do anything with her character. Tommy gets the storyline of uh, I'm going to get a mob and we're going to kill him. Oh, oops, we got the wrong guy. I feel bad now. How can I make it right? Let's get the right guy. And then he gets stabbed. Uh, I won't say dead because I in, in in this world, if we decide to bring somebody back, they, suddenly their wounds weren't that bad. Um, that's what we do in movies. So I don't know if he's dead or not, but uh, we brought so many characters back. Even you know, uh, um, Sheriff Brackett from the original film, which it's awesome that they brought him back. Feels a little plot convenient that he happens to be the security guard at the hospital. Okay, sure. Uh, but we do get the one, and it's cheesy as fuck, but I love the the callback of, uh, hey, Michael, it's Halloween. Everyone gets one good scare. Like, it's cheesy as hell, but I love that he said it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but again, that's we bring all these characters good. back, and that's cool, but we don't do anything with them. Like, give me one plot story arc that any of those characters actually went on in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just there. Uh, we went through all the effort of writing them back in and bringing actors back and recast some of them, but then we didn't do anything with it. And that was kind of disappointing to me. Um, there was something else you said I was going to bring up a point, but but anyway, um, no, in general, I'm not as, as forgiving on this movie as you are. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I would certainly watch this over any of the Rob Zombie ones or uh, anything, pretty much anything else after Halloween 3. Uh, they're Technically, these are gorgeous movies. The cinematography is fantastic. They're shot really well. The gore is good. Uh, it delivers on that aspect of being a slasher movie. It's called Halloween Kills, and boy, does Halloween kill. There's a big, big body count in this movie. Um, so if you're just going to watch a slasher movie and if you're going to watch it at home and playing your phone the whole time, you're not really paying attention, you won't notice how choppy the movie is because you won't be paying attention to it. So it's perfect. Um, sorry. Perfect if you don't pay attention side, to it. Side rant. If you're, if you're looking at your phone every three seconds and not paying attention to what happens in the movie, you're just looking up to watch the kills, you'll love it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think, I feel like they had a great idea for the last movie 
and I feel like they have a super idea for how to end it. And this is the awkward middle child of, well, we got to get from there from A to C. We don't really have an idea for B. We have a bunch of sort of ideas. We're just going to throw them all into one movie. We're going to do flashbacks from 78, and we're going to bring back all the survivors, and then we're going to have some stuff happen. And then, uh, oh, there's a couple that bought the Myers house, and he wants to. It's like, it feels like there's like 18 different plots going on all at one time in this movie. Um, and none of them really get enough time to really breathe and develop and feel significant. Um, and and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be too harsh on it because, it, again, it's by it's far from the worst Halloween movie. Uh, but it doesn't feel as focused as the last one was. Uh, it feels very scattershot. Um, I agree. It's definitely not as tight as 18 was just overall. But uh, I would give it a solid um, 6 out of 10. I was going to say 7. I'd probably bump mine to a 7.5 just because, you know. You know what? I'll bump it to a seven. We got flashbacks of Loomis, and uh, we got more uh, sheriffs wearing green coats. So, oh, last <laughs> thing, yeah, Hawkins killing his partner was fucking pointless. Like that was one of the moments that I feel like was so pointless. It didn't contribute anything. I mean, maybe it could explain why he stopped the other cop from shooting Michael in the back of the head. Like he had already been like, Oh, there's enough murder tonight or something. But to me, that was pointless. Did not add anything to the story. I feel I like I was there. I had the same issue with you, but here's, here's my problem with that. So when that first happened, I was like, okay, that's the motivation for his grief and his sense of, I have to finish what I should have finished then. Mm-hmm. But then like a couple minutes later, we get the whole "Oh, I stopped um, Loomis from shooting him." Pick right. one movie. Pick one. He doesn't need two tragic backstories of how he could have stopped Michael but didn't. Pick one. Yes. Exactly. Sorry, I'm shuffling. That was my issue with that. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of where I was on that. As far as pointless scenes, there was too much in the Myers house pre-Michael. And there was no point whatsoever in having Hawkins kill his partner or his buddy or whatever. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It, it provides some character motivation, like, oh, I'm I'm really messed up because of that night. But overall, it just, I don't know. That Fair one enough. didn't do it for me. Fair enough, man. So those are our mixed thoughts on Halloween Kills. Uh, I think we both agree it's far from the worst in the franchise. It's not quite as strong as 2018, but if nothing else, and maybe this is part of the detriment of the movies, we already know there's another one coming. Mm-hmm. So it's, I would say, the awkward middle child in this this trilogy or quadrilogy, whatever. Um, so it's kind of hard to really pass judgment on this movie without knowing where it's going. Right. But that Which being is, said, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I saw a post the other day where, I don't know if it was Danny McBride or one of the other writers, David Gordon Green or somebody, um, had tweeted about they they finished the script for part three. And I think I was not alone when I was like, uh, I thought that was already written and I thought you already shot like half of it. What 
what's going on here. So yeah, I, I thought they shot the. I, I remember hearing the same uh, David Gordon Green talking on on I think it was Joe Bob or something about um, when they're going to start shooting the next one. I'm like, I thought y'all already wrapped both of them. Right. <laughs> like, I thought they I thought... shot him at the same time. Yeah. So guess not. But <laughs> better hurry your ass up. Yeah. So get down to Wilmington, kitties. You could be in a Halloween movie too. Hey. Maybe. Well, thank you, Grit, for joining and giving Always me your pleasure. insights. Uh, I could never talk Halloween proper without talking to you, sir. That's a sweet thing to say. <laughs> so that's our thoughts. Let us know what did you think. Uh, are we on the mark? Are we off the mark? Whatever. And rest assured, no matter what happens or how long it takes, when Halloween ends, we'll be here to talk about it, too. That's right. Uh, until then, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.